0: Welcome to another episode of the Breath of Air podcast. My name is Adam Jolly and joining me as always
1: is Z Johnson. Hello. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm so great.
0: This is, I am kind of just winding down the work days until I leave for a vacation. Oh man,
1: spring break? I expect
0: to be a weird, yeah, spring break, but like a vacation to where like maybe a pandemic doesn't so much exist. It's kind of weird.
1: It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I went to the grocery store this morning and I was like, you know, it's kind of nice seeing people's actual whole faces again.
0: Oh, I don't think that's nice. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people that have just like, they've been blessed by this escape from their own <laughs> gargoyleness. so many goblins out there that are just like, thank you for this mask. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just ah. uh. Like-
1: so today we're going to talk about speaking with empathy. We're gonna- <laughs> is
0: that great? <laughs> that's what lead into it. Something there. I would love to see a psychological study on. Like we go two years <laughs> of not seeing a person's whole face when all we see is things on TV that are like at the most beautiful spectrum in the world. And now we're going mm-hmm. back to seeing our troll selves. Um- <laughs> anyway, that's not the topic for the day um we're talking about speaking with empathy um (laughs) and this is really like it it, it's kind of a core problem it's not just a market research problem I think it goes into market research because so many companies have like grown in the last year to where the this is like traditionally kind of like a growing pain um yeah when I think about like whenever you and I have conversations it probably all narrows back to speaking with empathy with people (laughs) and like trying to see like who's on the other side of the zoom or the telephone or whatever, and like what type of backstory and what type of like growth or stunting of growth or decline that they're in personally or at their company. Um, and so we'll start with that. Like, um, both of us working for growing companies and I, as you start to grow, you start to hire in new people and you kind Mm -hmm. of, you start to get this mix, right. Of people that have been at the company forever. Right. And then when mm-hmm. it was flat, and it was like they were either mm-hmm. uh, one step away from the one decision maker or they were the yep. one decision maker. Right.
1: Yep. And yep.
0: then as you like the blessing of getting as growing is that you can hire new people and you can, f- you know, find a culture within that. Then yeah. you bring in outsiders. Right. Because are oh, yeah. not to all think the same way. Yeah. You bring in outsiders. I can tell you. Yeah. Good.
1: It, it, yeah, I, I can tell you one of the things that I have been watching at Zappy and being part of is as the company continues to grow, like at the very beginning of, of the the most recent growth spurt was this concern of, okay, so how do we grow the company but keep the culture because yeah. a lot of the a lot of what attracts people to smaller companies I think is the culture that is possible because it's a smaller company. Yeah. You don't have okay. to standardize absolutely everything. You don't have to have a fully formed HR department. Right? There's there's probably like
0: a lot, probably not a lot of Zendesk tickets. Legal Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things.
1: No, and then and then You know, you can grow for a little bit hiring people who also their experience has been with a small company. Yeah. But eventually you're going to find yourself at the point where you need the experience that exists from people who have had their careers in very large organizations. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings in a completely different perspective because these are people who are used to, for better or for worse, Everyone has a hidden agenda. There's right. always a political yeah. spin on something. Why am I not invited to that meeting? What the hell is wrong? Why Who am I gonna get? like there's just a lot of yeah. stuff that comes from working in a really large organization that I know when I joined zappy from from Microsoft. It was like culture shock. Sure. Wait a minute. You people are okay just saying what you're thinking right now.
0: Great. Yeah. You're, it's a big one.
1: Wow. You just like totally went off and you're still here tomorrow.
0: <laughs> that's a lot, right? No, it's it. That could be pretty shocking to people with how they talk. And that's what mm-hmm. we talk about this speaking with empathy part. Um, like there's, there's times, I'm sure it is with you too, just like you just said, like there's times when you can, depending on the recipient, you can let them have it, like exactly what's on right. your mind. Right, And I know that I can talk to, like there's there's people above me that I know that I can talk to and be direct with and kind of speak my mind. And sometimes it may come across as like uh, bitching and groaning about stuff. But I know that like based off where they are and their empathy, it's good. And that there's other times there's people that are below me, maybe that worked at smaller companies where I talk to them like that. They'd be like, well, that's it for me. Like, this this is, you're telling me that something is this wrong, the way you spoke to me, the way things are that's it. Like based off my experience, right. I'm I'm done here. Right. And if I'm not done here, I might be like emotionally checked out because of some PTSD that I have from the past or something like that.
1: Totally. Right. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, as we talk about speaking with empathy to our, to our coworkers, I think there's empathy that goes both directions, right? There's gotta be empathy from the people who have come from the really large organizations who are like, "Oh, man, this is growing pains, isn't it?" I yeah, yeah you're you're finding that that you're gonna have to sacrifice a few things from your small business culture as you grow into a larger organization because otherwise it's just gonna be really messy and it's gonna be really inefficient. But then also the person on the other side who has just worked for the small company, having the empathy for the person who's coming from the large company, and being like, like I know you're used to a whole lot more structure than we have right now. Yeah, right. We're getting there. It's slow, but, but, but we're getting there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hear you. This is not what you have experienced before, but I think that the empathy has to go both ways.
0: Okay. You kind of sparked my interest on a question here. Um, so you are working with like a relatively new product at that mm-hmm. Do you feel Mm -hmm. like that helps you a little bit like shield away from some of this, like the growing pains type things, because like, Hey, we're all trying to figure this out (laughs) type thing. Or does it highlight it even more because like it's a new product, it's a risk. Right. And so like for some people it might be, they might still be in that as much as we would like to think we have this growth mindset and like we can handle and scale and everything. Every new product has a fear. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, um, It's a a little bit of both. So part of creating a new product, creating the service um, has been, this is really cool. The company is such an expert. Like it's a a hotbed of experimentation and that has its pros and has its cons, Right. right? The fact that everything is a constant experiment means it can feel like, No decision is ever finally actually made. It's always, let's pilot the new thing. Let's see what works. Let's see what didn't work. The pro being, you can go and you can just try a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And when you make good, informed decisions, they're not always going to be perfect, but we can acknowledge that and we can accept that and we can say, you know what? This is, let's just treat everything as though it's an experiment and we're just constantly learning. Throw the ego out the door, just learn um but at the same time because of the nature of the way that the company was organized from the very beginning um there are certain it's now kind of at a point where i feel like i can say there are legacy things yeah that kind of get in the way every once in a while yeah well we can't do that because we had to set things up so that we could grow. And now that we're growing, those things that we had to do just to get us here are now impeding our ability to continue growing and we need to like tear it down and reconstruct it. But in the reconstruction, we need to figure out where are we willing to experiment and how far are we willing to experiment and with whom. And so you, you get, yeah. you get the, it's great because you can experiment, but at the same time, you're experimenting with a ton of other experiments.
0: No, I agree. And that's kind of, um, honestly, that's the culture that we've, um, this is my, this is kind of a weird topic. Um, and I don't want to dive too down to it, but I think a company can have a couple different cultures. And so our overall company oh, yeah. culture is not this, but our like executive team culture is very much, uh, we call it data-driven gambles which is like mm. what you talk about, like where it's like, because for Sounds me, like experiment I mean, yeah. to me, like for where I am, I am a, I'm a gut decision type guy. I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I'm never just doing that off my gut. Chances are like I have like three or four bullet points of what I think to where like the chance of failing, right. Is a little bit yeah. lower than approval. And then there's others yeah. like on, the, on our board that are very much like quantitative people that love do the homework. Um, right. But we get to where like with that data driven gambles, it's always like, hey, we're are going to take some risk. We're going to be maybe not eighty percent sure. Maybe we're only like sixty percent sure, but yeah. let's go out and do this. And yeah. I think when when you have that, when like so, when we decide that that's our culture and everyone buys into it, then how we speak with other people with empathy it's a lot easier because we yes. know that, like, hey, like we know we're all in, the, like we know we're all sharing this risk here, right? We're all sharing, right. that, like we're putting ourselves out there a little bit. Yep. Um, it just makes it easier. And and part of it, I think that's kind of the advantage of if you have multiple different cultural mindsets, you know? Yeah. Than just like some mission statement that's painted on a wall or some shit. <laughs> right? Yes. Like this is our overall yes. journey, like how we speak to each other, what we think about each other, what our yep. culture is. Um we yep. really bastardize that word anyway, but
1: Oh, absolutely. We take it to mean things that it actually doesn't end up meaning at the end of the day. Um, But when you're talking about speaking with empathy, it is interesting, the idea of kind of that duality that might exist in an organization. Here are the people who, it's almost like, here's the group of people that we trust to make those data-driven gambles. <laughs> That's not everybody. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, we need people who are willing to stick it out while we make these gambles. And I think part of being able to speak with empathy is, like you said, hey, I know we're the ones making the decision to to do this. It is going to affect you. Right. here's how it's gonna affect you I know it's going to be uncomfortable all of us are a bit uncomfortable about this but we have to we have to take a risk right now right kind of a, a situation um, where have you found that perhaps someone overplayed the empathy when speaking with another person?
0: Um I think when people get on when I think when you overplay empathy is because like you read something wrong to start like you didn't do it all the way like you were kind of inconsistent with the empathy and then you overplay it and start thinking like okay I need to go all in um it's usually pretty wild when uh well i'll be i'll be straight with us right now it hasn't happened yet um because we're not like going crazy with it but we recently took like one of those how do you communicate with people type thing a type uh-huh. service and like everyone clicks there and it tells you okay this person works best this person works best so i know like we're gonna get into it um but i think when yeah. when you're fresh off of those type of things then you really are like okay <laughs> this is how i communicate with this person because they are uh 45 out of or whatever right whatever Uh the number is
1: uh and then you start Uh you
0: when you do that um, I think there's a risk when you overuse empathy and are too worried about what the other person's going to think or how they receive it you start to lose your own message and your own identity a little bit too you know especially like for someone like me that I consider I kind of lead with a lot of passion Um, and maybe like wear the heart on the sleeve a little bit it's hard Mm. to keep in mind how somebody might be receiving somebody and not like dull my message too much um, to where I'm not getting across what I have. And I've failed on that. But like uh, an example, I uh, so we do these sales meetings every week and I was starting every meeting off with just like a quick, like I called it like a sharpening of the sword where I would like go through some kind of like sales technique, like maybe how to write some kind of prospecting email or how to respond to mm. an objection or whatever. Um, right, And it was cool because like we would do it and I would definitely like I would get to scratch my sales itch, which I don't have anymore. Um, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I could get out there and I could like talk like I knew how, to, what, how I knew how to sell or whatever. Um, and then we we get some live feedback from people, all that kind of things. Yeah. And yeah. then um, it would also you know, like and everybody would be great from it. But then as I started going through it, I was like, man, like we've got an hour meeting. Everyone wants something to say, and I'm taking ten minutes from people. Like I'm taking time, like. You know, if somebody wants to share like some project management blow up and I'm taking it away because I needed somebody to know how to respond. If somebody says they're too expensive, maybe I should scale back. Right. Like Maybe I should like an empathetic thing to do would be to record these videos so people can go and watch them at their leisure and they can live in a library right. and then they can go get it. And so I thought like, this right. is a great idea. This is being super empathetic by me, like, you know, taking it <laughs> time. But what we did, like we lost the passion. Then it was me yeah. like just recording a video by myself with no interaction at all, and it became preachy. Like, right. Listen, Dennis, right. I know how to sell. <laughs> Here's a video.
1: I know how to sell. Well,
0: watch it at your leisure. It's it's in a shared <laughs> folder, you know? Um, and it was it it lost like its intent because I went too overboard with the empathy.
1: So it's how do you keep forward. yourself from going overboard with it? How do you keep yourself from Or how do you recover from situations like that? Uh, Like, have you reintroduced the 10-minute sharpening the sword into your weekly meetings?
0: Yeah. uh, I uh, Maybe I manipulated a little bit, too, as I start to think, like, you start to re-ask. And instead of just assuming that I know how someone wants to be talked to, I ask them, like, what's the most important thing to get out of meetings? You know, like I I went and started asking some people like, and I say manipulative because I I know the answer before you even ask, but like, I still want to do like the homework. So I said, Hey, like we're having these hour long meetings. What do you want to get from it? And what I keep getting from everybody is let's just make this more like a live conversation. Like let's not have where it's mapped out and like everything, like it's, it's a hard four minutes and then you get a reminder, like, Hey, stop talking or something like that. Not that that would happen, but you know, a timekeeper. Right. Let's make this to where we can learn and interact and kind of like crowdsource a lot of this type of things. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, so that's what they want. Well, that's what the first video was doing, you know, was giving right. somebody or like without the video. And, you know, if I wanted, right. if, if in my mind, the important part, which it wasn't, if in my mind, an important part was to have it recorded so we can keep it later for training purposes, we could just record the meeting, you know, and just right. meet it and just hope that nobody cusses or whatever, but like record the meeting. <laughs> And like, then people can go back and be like, "Wow, that was great, man!" Do you like? It's awesome to hear what like not just what you said about how to answer that objection, but what Sally thought in real time about it, or you know what you know Bobby thought at the same time. So, right. um, I think that was like what I learned from it is to be sure. I mean, that's the biggest part about empathy that I think, and like something I'm sure something we'll touch on is stop assuming. Yeah. the other voice or what the other person has or what's important to them, things like yep. that.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard not to. It's hard. I kind of chuckle at the, I already know what you're saying. I already know what the answer is before I even ask the question. Because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we think we know the answer. And sometimes it turns out we were way off Right. I had a colleague once who, you know, got super enthused about one of those how to communicate or how to tell the personality of another person in a short number of questions. And they had gone asked somebody the questions and then said, "Got it. Here is here is how I describe you." Couldn't have been further from the truth of what this right. person was all about and what they were like. Right? And it was it was they were trying to establish a rapport they were trying to be empathetic and it turns out they did not actually know the answer before they asked the question right Right. they still needed to ask the question um and i think sometimes that maybe that is where we where we find our pitfalls um that is my the gentlest way possible of me saying, uh-uh, you just assumed when you said that you already know the answer when you asked the question.
0: Right. <laughs> Great.
1: But Not very empathetic, right? Adam.
0: But that goes back to it, too, <laughs> where, like, when you, like, I mean, I know the whole thing is that we're, we're saying, you think about how we started this conversation. We were saying, like, let's talk about, like, speaking with empathy and try to keep in mind what the other person might be going through when you're saying it. But like, yeah. it took us what were 15 minutes and now it's so where we're like, maybe ask them first, you know, <laughs> yeah. instead of just like assuming it, yeah. like, you know, get to know your coworkers a little bit, get to know the background, like what makes them tick type thing. And that, but I, I mean, that's pretty, I mean, we're kind of hyperspeeding it, but that's not
1: uncommon in any workplace, right? You go weeks. It's months, not. Right. And it's not at all. And part of that. I mean, how many is, times have you worked at a place you yeah. do those communication quizzes and you're like, Really? That's how you communicate? Right. right. Oh my God, no wonder my message never lands with you. <laughs> right. Right. It's weird. Like I uh
0: like I got one from uh my boss that's just like be direct, like come be black and white, like let's have a right. agenda. I'm like, fuck, dude. I do like one brainstorming me with him a week. That's probably the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened him. He hates looking at that. There you know? He probably hates that when it popped up on his calendar. And here I am mm-hmm. thinking like this guy's trying to, you know, he's trying to get out there. He's trying to do innovative and we're moving and shaking. We're growing. Like we have these, you know, data-driven right. animals and stuff. Like he's going to love to hear some of these like quarter baked ideas or whatever. No, man, he's like right. that shit. Like he like dreads that when it comes up on his calendar. And it took me like getting a test back to see that and be like, oh man. I don't know. Like when we talk about it, I'm going to be like, hey, look, Squash that I'm so sorry. calendar. I'm so sorry. Like, that's kind of how I operate sometimes. <laughs> I like to say I'm curious. just some like weird way I can, you know, make up for something like that. But yeah. That's, that's, that's a thing that, that, that you just got to learn. And it sucks that it, it's not immediate. I mean, that is some of, part of me wishes that we had some of these type of things like on our like CVs, like on our resumes and stuff. You know? I
1: know. I know. It's so true. Um, yeah. But then you start to paint yourself into a corner. For sure. <laughs> I suddenly just yeah. thought about the episode that we did about personality tests. <laughs> it's like that, right? Don't justify yourself like that. Remember, but mean, we... we booed there are some guide rails more. that we sometimes need. Right. We made
0: those personality tests t- seem horrible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But in reality... They're helpful,
1: <laughs> you know. So it's good to know if you're an ear and eye.
0: It is good to know. It makes it a little bit easier. No, we're back on it. Squ- throw away everything we've ever said. I'll make sure I delete that. You know, okay. uh, this was great, Z. No, but
1: uh, but the, but the thing that the thing that we did say in that was that those can be used as guidelines. Don't use them as like absolute truths. Yeah, Use them to guide your interactions or to guide your your self-understanding, but don't make that the end-all be-all about understanding yourself or anyone else.
0: I'm with you. Well, thank you, Z. This was great. Hopefully it helps people. I mean, it's a huge part of mental health is when you go into work and you're not sure how your coworkers, your bosses or anything thinks about you and how do you talk to them. And I think like you have to be the start for that. It's not just a leadership job. It's not just a manager's job to start talking to people. Okay. Like you have to think it's an adaption type thing. And it's not, I'm not asking anybody to lie. I'm not asking anybody to change how they talk or be a fake person. It's just, <laughs> you know,
1: just consider, consider the other person. Yeah. Or people. the other
0: person. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Z.
1: Thank you.